Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Top 5 Movies. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Happy holidays, hello. Indeed, happy holidays for real. We're right around the corner from Christmas and stuff. You'll be listening to this, Christmas will have just passed. Um, But we are recording the Sunday before Christmas, and this week we're going to be talking about our top five sad clowns um, in movies, which is in honor of Steve Carell's new dramatic performance in uh, Welcome to Marwin, which I actually saw yesterday, and I was a little disappointed by it, but... um, what? Yeah, it's not it's not a bad movie, but it's not a good movie really either. It's somewhere in the middle. Um It's a it's a Robert Zemeckis film. How could he he the only one I I can think of that he's done not so good on was What Lies Beneath. Uh he's had a few flubs. Um I, I mean, I like the walk. Car, used cars. Well, that's going back a ways, but like uh this movie tonally suffers. Um I don't feel like he knows what tone he needs for the story. It is based on a true story, and there is a documentary called Marwin Cole, Marwin Cole, um, that I am planning on watching from 2010 that uh, showcases the true, the, the real guy and um, his story. And I feel like Zemeckis kind of got lost in the uh, the wonderment of the fictional uh, world that the guy creates, like those stories, um, and kind of forgets to give uh the true people enough attention when it's a drama uh, more so than a comedy and yeah but nonetheless um my full review will be up at burkreviews.com this week if you are interested in hearing my thoughts i went not no spoilers but i did go in depth with what i thought was really the flaw with the movie um but steve carell traditionally comedic performer has done some really great drama dramatic work uh throughout his career and it got me thinking about those actors who are known for comedy but like to break away from it every once in a while and do a more dramatic role and so that's what this uh topic is so if you've never listened to the show before we make our list in secret and this is us going from five to one uh revealing our list to each other um i don't remember the order but normally corey has got my back do you have my back corey John, you, me, Mike. All right. So I, th- I thought I might be first this week. <clears throat> um, this is, by the way, the last show of 2018 before we get into the new year. Um, so oh. it, it kind of exciting. We've been doing this for three years already. Um, you know, wow. we started in like March or something of 2016, and we've been going ever since. Um, although we switched from a weekly to a bi-weekly show, uh, which thank goodness because it was getting hard coming up with weekly topics, but. yeah um so that said uh we like to have free reign to say whatever we want about the movies on our list so Corey, guys from here on out we're going to talk about the movies probably in great detail you can go to bookreviews.com and check out each of our lists and lastly um mike has a tendency to have movies that are a little more obscure than Corey and myself uh and so Corey and i like to wager how many of Mike's movies we've seen. Um, Corey, why don't you go first? Mm, I'm going to go two. Two, <laughs> eh? I feel like my comedic actor knowledge is strong, so I might go 
Four. I'm gonna go four. Dang. Whoa. Feeling brave before All Christmas. Right. I'm just telling you that my like A list ones, I already just put those down to the honorable mentions. So Oh snap. Oh, well, now yeah. that you've made your four. <laughs> Decisions were made. Um they can't go back. Oh, no. Um <laughs> I I had a lot of fun making this list because uh, I am I growing up um, I was actively only watching comedies for the most part. I avoided drama. So I was big fans of a lot of the 90s comedic actors, um, but I followed them in, in many cases, although there's a few I have missed. Um, I tried to keep it. Uh, I didn't repeat any actors on my list and um, I could have added some other movies, but I tried to break. I tried to deviate from my norms, um, but I'm starting off with a female comedian. Um, who I think I remember the first time really being aware of her uh, was in School of Rock, maybe. It might have been an earlier movie, but um, I went with Sarah Silverman, and uh, the dramatic performance is from I Smile Back Mm. um, from 2015, which might be the most dramatic movie on my list because this movie is really tough to watch um, as a mother deals with drugs um, and depression and uh basically self-destruction it is such a tremendous performance from silverman um who is most notably known as a comedic actor and a stand-up comedian even um having you know had the silverman show and of course she's vanellope in the wreck it ralph movies um i i watched i smile back uh, a couple years ago i think 2016 when i was doing the uh 366 challenge um and i was really blown away by her performance um Again, it is not an easy movie to watch. Uh, the sexuality in the film is very shocking and strong, um, and not in a way that I would say is exploitative either. But it's it's does not shy away from some of the tough situations she puts herself in. Um, I wouldn't quite put it on par with the like um, uh, Darren Aronofsky's *Requiem for a Dream* difficulty mm-hmm. of watching, but it's it's up there. It's not one that I would easily rewatch. But man, I can't speak highly enough about Silverman's performance um I mean at times she's so stoic and just deadpan and then other times she's you know happy and smiling and then she's breaking down I mean her she's all over the place and does a terrific job in that performance that I I, I had to put it on my list at number five it's one that I've missed and I've never heard anything but good about there's not a single person I don't believe I've heard say anything negative about it yeah and uh, just it's interesting I, I think it was very personal for her that decision to take on that project and i i know she had talked about it i forget what she related something going on in her own family life and that's kind of parlayed into that performance she gave it's one that's on my list and i couldn't put it on because i haven't watched it and so it wouldn't be right for me to speak mm-hmm. on something i don't know true Corey, have you uh seen i smile back I wanted to. I've missed it. I don't generally like Sarah Silverman. I don't think she's funny at all. Um, I think she's pretty obnoxious. She's like the female Jim Carrey to me. Um, oh man, that hurt twice. Oh yeah, wow. I just wow. yeah. Um, so I'm not a fan of her, but I, you know what I mean. I feel like mm-hmm. she might be one of those people that I would like in dramatic roles. But hearing about all of that, I don't. I feel like I'd have to work myself up to that movie. Yeah. Um. I, I do like her comedy, uh, not all of it, but she's a friend of Doug Benson, and I am a av- big advocate of Doug Loves Movies, and I actually really enjoy whenever she's on Doug Loves Movies. She's usually pretty entertaining. Um, she was actually just on one of the 12 Guests of Christmas episodes, and 
yeah, so I, I would say I'm a fan. I don't, I don't disagree. Sometimes I do find her annoying, or like some of her jokes I don't find funny, but more often than not, I enjoy her. So, but that's my number five. Uh, let's go ahead then, Corey, into yours. Okay. Um, so I've only seen this movie one time, and I actually just talked about him a second ago. But I am not a fan of Jim Carrey in his comedic roles. And we watched this for Movie Club, ah. and I want to see it again. But I went with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. And I had to make sure that I was reading it off my paper because that's a title that I always feel like I'm going to get wrong. Um, and I've also seen him in The Truman Show, which I really liked. And I want to see Man on the Moon mm. a lot. And then, of course, I would need to watch the documentary because that's what everybody says. Um, but I... I really think that he shines when he gets to. I f- I feel like he's one of those actors that probably improvs too much, mm. and he's just really loud and obnoxious. And he just every I feel like any time that he's like in a comedic role, he just like takes over the whole yeah. screen. For sure, um, he, he owns it. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's. I think the only one he did he hasn't been like maybe, maybe what the majestic. Yeah, this I be a little more understated. That's one I have not watched. Um, I also, what? Have, yeah, I, I haven't, haven't seen either. Uh, Man on the Moon either. So those are what? Oh, see, those so are maybe two we should have debated. maybe we should have a Jim Carrey month for Movie Club. It might be because no, I still haven't seen uh, Number Twenty Three, which is another Ooh, horror slide thriller. A long time. I liked it, but I get a feeling a lot of people won't. So all those, all three of those, but I got a. I, Full disclosure: I still haven't watched Eternal Sunshine oh. of the Spot. It's yeah, on I still have Netflix. It is, and I started. And honestly, I'm in the middle of several. I started Velvet Gone Mine up the other day, Ooh. and and just as a little plug, even though they're not a sponsor, Tubi, Tubi has Dog Tooth. Oh man, oh. that's a. I really like the movie. It's a really tough watch though. But Corey yeah, did yeah. not. Oh, and it and it also has Rubber and Wrong. So just so you know, you. Um, oh god. <laughs> But uh, I I love Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. It's a film I've taught a few times as well, and most of my students uh, love that film once they see it too. It's it's usually one of their most experimental kind of films because it is so unique in terms of story, and it's um, it still has humor in it, but it's humor in a kind of dark and uh, ironic sort of way. It's not like intended humor, but. Um, it is a, it's a really, really good performance. I was going to leave it, put it on my list, but I opted for a different Jim Carrey movie, uh, which we'll get to later. But, um, Mike, you definitely should check out Eternal Sunshine ASAP. Uh, Charlie Kaufman wrote it, um, and I really, really like his, uh, kind of surrealist style of writing that he, mm-hmm. uh, brings into Synecdoche, New York as well, but. Yep, that's another one I need to watch. <laughs> adaptation, I don't think I got to. I still have not do... watched Adaptation. Can he do leaving Las Vegas? Um, I don't know. I don't. don't He did uh, being John Malkovich though. Um, Oh yeah. Oh, and and Anomalisa. Yes. Anomalisa from a couple years ago, the uh, animated film starring Jennifer Jason Lee, and I'm going to forget the male actor now. But um, but yeah, that's that's a really interesting one too. Um, yeah, he's he's a unique style of writer. I like him, but, um, yeah, uh, definitely, especially if it's on Netflix, I say, listeners, too, if you've skipped Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, um, watch it, and then go back and listen to our Movie Club episode where we talk about it in detail. 
um, because it's it's a favorite of mine. And it was one that I'd slept on for a long time. I don't think I watched it uh, until a couple years ago for the first time, but since I've, I've seen it, I don't know, probably eight or nine times since then, So because of uh, teaching it and then doing Movie Club about it. Um, all right, well, that's a great dramatic role. Again, though, still has his kind of zaniness, and he gets moments of humanity that let him be funny uh, in it, which is the beauty of drama. You can still have comedy in a drama for sure. Um, but let's go to Mike's number five. Okay, well, I feel a little better because I was going to preface my number five pick because it's I didn't know if it was going to fit to the full um, dramatic performance prerequisite. Whoa, I got stuff going on here. Um, but I, I chose it anyway, and it was from 1997, um, Life is Beautiful. And I don't know if you all are familiar with Roberto Benigni. Um, he's done foreign comedies. That's what he was known for. The highlight of which, which is the, in the loosest sense of the high, word highlight, uh, the son of the son of the Pink Panther, which, as mm-hmm. we all know, anything that's not the original Pink Panther really doesn't count. But uh, life is beautiful. Basically, the premise is a an Italian Jewish family is caught in the whirlwind that is World War II, and obviously is then sent to concentration camps. And it's basically uh, Roberto Benigni's character Guido. Orefice, I might be getting the pronunciation wrong, is basically doing his best as a father to shelter and protect his son from the horror that they're in the middle of. So there are certain things that are played up as a game. And so he is slightly whimsical, but there's always that air of the drama because, you know, in the background of it all, they are in a concentration camp. Um, it's not as serious. That tone isn't, um, it's not anywhere close to Schindler's List. There's there's slight humor, not dark humor, but he's just trying. You can see this dad is working his best for doing his best to keep his son sheltered because he's still a kid and in the middle of this, and I couldn't even imagine. And it's not a completely serious film, but overall it's more dramatic than not. And it's one I think I caught just, let's see, 97 would have been probably still working at a video store and just hearing about it roundabout and then it came around because you know lake wales it's not gonna run a foreign film here so it would have been via video yeah. that i saw it yeah i've i'm very aware of this movie i've been meaning to get to it and i just have not um i feel like at one point it was on netflix but i don't think it is right now um i have a few students who uh had seen this film for one reason or another and have really like raised praised uh, praised it and raved about it and um, that it's both like emotionally, you know, challenging, but also there's a air of humor in it, which I'm sure the actor is able to bring to it. So, um, yeah, I definitely want to see it. He also directed it. Um, mm. I this is a movie that I've seen. I have never seen the movie, but it's one that the box always caught my eye um, because they're. It's I guess that's his wife and his son, but they're just standing in the street with a bicycle i don't know why it's always yeah my interest but um yeah i'm I glad that you if, said that i wonder you know. if it's a, a nod to yeah there it is i'm looking at the cover on imdb mm-hmm. um well no because i've never watched the bicycle thief so that's I have. assuming that okay so i don't know if that's got any i don't you know. know i i thought that does it reminds me of that but i mean um there's no real like it's Bicycle Thieves is much more straightforward, just dealing with like poverty and, um, and like the struggle because he needs his bike in order to have his job, and it's stolen, and so now his whole family's livelihood is at risk, 
and it's um, him pursuing trying to get the bike back from the people who stole it um and it's so you know very different context but um it could be definitely a nod to that um or even the that film movement from the italian uh Mm -hmm. neorealism i think um Mm -hmm. but yeah uh one it's on my watch list so hopefully i'll one day get that off of the watch list but i think uh until i do let's move on to my number four um which means you gotta get the next four all in a row i know so let's see what happens it's not looking good um (laughs) given that previous statement that you uh (laughs) dropped the a-list movies but um i uh for my number four i also went with jim carrey but i went with the truman show um which is you could argue is more comedy but i feel like he gets some really great dramatic moments in this movie and it ends on a dramatic note i think it kind of starts as a comedy and as he becomes aware of the world he's living in it becomes more of a drama and um it's such a memorable performance and again it's one of those films that it's super accessible and like when like i can show it to my students and they're going to enjoy it um on its face value for what it is but then when it starts you know when they start thinking deeper about what it means to like, what is our reality? What is the world? What's, what's real? What's fake? What constitutes love and friendship and things like that? Um, it really starts to make them think deeper. And so that's the thing I love about this movie is you can watch it on the surface and really enjoy the, the performances from Jim Carrey, Ed Harris as the, you know, godlike figure, um, Laura Linney as his wife and the little ad product placements they do in the, in the movie that are super funny. Um, and then, uh, and then when you start really thinking about like the idea of the reality, I mean, this movie is on the same level of uh, as the Matrix as far as how it deals with reality, and it's um, super eye-opening in that way. And it's a film I've gone. I mean, I saw it in the theater as a kid, and then I've rewatched it. I can't even tell you how many times um, over the years between teaching it and uh, watching it casually for fun because I do really enjoy this movie and. Um, this was one of the first times where I, I watched a Jim Carrey movie and it's not Ace Ventura or it's not, you know, Dumb and Dumber. This is like, he's hitting emotional beats that I would just never have imagined him possible. Um, and then how it even ends, uh, with him taking the final bow and walking out and saying his, uh, kind of infamous tagline of, if, uh, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Um, <laughs> just, it's just such a great movie. Um, and I was really surprised because that was a movie I felt like. I would think it's great, but, like, critics would have, like, you know, a lot to say wrong about it. But it's a 90 on Metacritic, um, and that's really, really high. Uh, And it just, it speaks to how great the film is, um, in my opinion, that you have that kind of backing from a critical standpoint. But yet it's super accessible, and I think almost anybody can find joy in it. So uh, that's, that's my number four, Truman Show. I haven't watched it in a long time, and... I probably should. It's just, it's, it's such a drastic change. Maybe it, it, I'm surprised how high the score is. Not because it's a bad film. It's just, you figured there would be a backlash from people going into it thinking they're going to go see Jim Carrey as an Ace Ventura like character. Yeah. And I want to note too, it has a 8.1 IMDb user rating. So it's, it's loved by both. Um, and it's a PG film too, which is another thing to note. Oh. Cause this is 1998 Whoa. and it has a PG rating. Yeah. Um, so it's able yeah, to pull all the, yeah, yeah, it's able to pull in like everybody basically, and that's I think that speaks to the quality of of Carrie as a performer. Um, and I really do think that role is written perfectly for him because it does allow him to be front and center because that makes perfect sense that everything re- literally revolves around him. 
Um, so the thing that Corey complained about actually works really well within the character <laughs> in this film. So, <laughs> and he does have to bring it down though, because he's supposed to be normal, unaware. Yeah, and and yet he's a natural performer. So it, it's why people are drawn to him, and and why he's the most popular show in the universe of the movie. You know, like it's a compelling thing. And of course, it comes in '98, right before reality TV really spikes. You know. Ew. When you think about it's it, it's like, a harbinger of the decline of the Western civilization. I mean, it kind of foreshadows like what, like That's... how TV's going to shift because Real World and uh, I think Road Rules had already existed and that had garnered a lot of popularity, but it hadn't hit the levels that it will in the next ten years afterwards, where you have American Idol and you have the survive. Yeah, well, now too, yeah, uh, but the survival, the what's Survivor? That's what it's called. Um, all those game show based uh, reality shows, and then now, yes, just reality shows, the Housewives and all those, where it's just following people around. They're not even like competing for something. It's just like, hey, look what we do. Um, Thanks but, a lot, Truman Show. Yeah, Truman Show and Ed TV, but, the movie that I everyone mean, forgets about. Oof. Also, uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. How no, long? Uh, no one did. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, also, just thinking about how long it, it. I mean, I feel like it probably took them a couple years to make the movie. Oh, I would imagine. So, you know. Yeah. Sometimes Hollywood's got its fingers right on the pulse of our entertainment. Um, maybe they cost it. Or caused it. Um, all right. Well, it's, it, I feel it's further proof we're in the Matrix. They just shift it all over. Oh, that went well. Uh, shift. Everything shift over. Reprogram. Yep. Literally. Vu. Uh, all right. That's my number four. Corey, what do you got? Okay. I've talked about this movie before. Sorry, not sorry. Um, and I had it as an honorable mention, but I, again, this, I don't really like this guy in comedic roles. Mm. Um, and I feel like I avoid movies maybe when he's in them, which might not be fair, but I loved Seth Rogen mm. as Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. Yeah. Um, and... Mm. I I don't really know just his like body language that you know just seemed like all like emotion drained from his face when Steve Jobs is awful to him yeah. um, that monologue he gives towards the end of the film oh geez um, in the theater yeah in the theater is such a such a strong scene from that film it's like one that stands out when i think back on that movie which i i love steve jobs it's a danny boyle aaron sorkin written uh collaboration and it is it is phenomenal and let's not that's two kate winslet movies in your list Corey. um oh heck i uh, wasn't even thinking about that because she is also amazing um, amazing but, mm-hmm. uh well, except as rose i mean she's you know whatever um <laughs> she my, wasn't acting that part badly no yeah but <laughs> She does kill Jack, but um, Michael Fassbender oh. is so good as Steve Jobs, and yeah, I have this as an honorable mention um, because so I do like Seth Rogen in comedic roles, but I've also really, he, I think he's worn me down at this point where now I kind of avoid him um, first, and this was a film when they cast, I was like, really? Seth Rogen? Same! Um, so, like, what's going on here? The fact that he nails it and is really, really good as Wozniak is uh, all the more... Um, I think a showing of his ability, um, because I had another uh, honorable mention of his was uh, 50-50 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, <gasps> but he's really, 
Oh. He's more of a comic relief in that film, though, and that's where like I was kind of torn if it qualified because he's the best friend and he gives a lot of the funny moments in a very dramatic movie. He does have a few scenes where he cries and stuff, but he's mainly there to make us laugh when it's getting a little too tense. So I, I was hesitant to uh, to put it on my list, but it, it's such a good, good movie and he is really good in it um, that I almost did add it to my list, but I ended up putting it as honorable mention with Steve Jobs. So... Um, but definitely yep. a solid pick. Hmm. Mike, you've seen Steve Jobs, right? Yeah, I was late on the boat on that one. So, hmm. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people were. And it's a well, shame. because they were pumping out Steve Jobs movies. Well, the Kutcher film definitely yeah, hurt the, it. Uh, the Kutcher one. Ew. Yeah, so bad. Um, and not even I'm not even blaming Kutcher for that. It was just a bad movie. It's structured bad. It tries to cover way too much. Um Steve Jobs does it in such a unique way, and the the dialogue is so snappy and witty, and um, there's that sense of tension that the movie creates. And then stylistically, the way Boyle there. opted Boyle. to, um, well, that he each uh, decade that we are we are with them is filmed in a different way with different cameras to make it look more of the era that it was filmed in, and that is just as a film nerd that just is like, oh, that's so cool and unique and different. And so, yeah, I, I love pretty much everything about that movie, but. Um, well, that's Seth Rogen, uh, Corey's number four, uh, Sad Clown. Um, Could have went with The Guilt Trip. No, that's not a sad movie. Uh, let's go to Mike's <laughs> number four. For a while, it seemed like Tom Hanks in his early career was going to just simply be stuck, mm. destined to be playing subpar comedic roles. And at some point, I'm guessing he chose to change representation. Something changed because there was a very clear definition of, in his career where he stops doing, let's say, you know, Joe versus Volcano. The Burbs. Turner. I like the Burbs. Yeah, um, but the Burbs is a B Turner, comedy. Turner and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. But very dark. That That's Joe Dante, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Because yeah. uh, I want to I revisit that. It probably will not hold up. I remember seeing that in the theater. So for me, I'm like, I, I forgive that one more than I should probably. Just like I do some people. But, um, um, uh, anyway, at some point it, he changed something and has remained, for the most part, relevant on the big screen. And I don't know that whether, to me, this was his first dramatic performance, but it's the one I picked. His um, 1993's Philadelphia. God dang it. You had to pick like the one gap in my Tom Hanks view. <laughs> because it needs to stop being a gap. I need well, you I mean, to grab some tissues. Just... It's a powerhouse of a film. His character is Annie Beckett, an up-and-comer attorney who contracts AIDS, HIV, full-blown AIDS, and basically is completely sabotaged and blackballed because of that. Um, his whole career is ruined, and things are... I mean, it's literally done against him, which he brings up being an attorney. He brings up a lawsuit for it. Um, who He hires the only person he can... Uh, uh, get is like an ambulance chaser lawyer who's played by Denzel Washington and these two work together Antonio Banderas is in there there's some pretty uh, Jason Robards I believe is a, a role. it's Logan. just pardon yeah uh, yeah um, I, for me it was the first one I could recall dealing with anything AIDS related let alone the theme of the ostriches ostrich being ostracized by it Sorry, I can't English very well. It's an effective watch. It's, to be sure, it's far removed from any of his previous comedic roles. And just, yeah, it, that gap needs to be completed. So there you are. Yeah, um, 
I I'm actually a little jealous that you thought of Hanks because I so closely associate him with dramas yeah. that I didn't even think about. He did technically start as I mean his first movie is what Bachelor mm-hmm. Party, right? Like yeah, yeah. I mean he goes comedic. I, uh, I tell me, I, I I clearly remember Bosom Buddies in its original TV run, and I mean come on. Yeah, I mean his first like ten years of Hollywood was mainly. You know, mm-hmm. comedies and I Une- uneven, uneven yeah. comedies. And I didn't even think about him as a as because I'm he's such a prestige actor now that you, it's hard to to put him back in that that role. Um, he might have like maybe overcome more than any of the other comedic actors where he is so disassociated with comedic acting, but mm-hmm. that's where he got his start. So that's really interesting. Um, to to put him on your list and uh, you're not wrong. Just like man, I didn't even think about Tom Hanks when well, I was making this. And you guys, <laughs> he made his uh, film debut in "He Knows You're Alone," the nineteen eighty slasher. Oh, <laughs> interesting! And he's not even credited. Oh, wow! I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh my god, that's so him!" Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm gonna go uh, into a more modern film. I, I also, I before I do that, I have to note I said like one of the only gaps, but then I'm I still have not watched Green Mile or Road to Perdition. <laughs> um, because of similar I reasons, <sighs> but all right, I'm I'm gonna up my mine's gonna come from 2015 this time. Uh, I went another 2015 movie actually because my first movie was 2015, um, but I'm going with Steve Carell um, mainly because I have not been on board with Steve Carell as a comedic actor most of his career. I think the only real comedic performance that I love and have never had an issue with is Brick from Anchorman. And mainly because he's a fourth bill character. He's not, you know, the main guy. He's not there the whole time. Um, I generally find his comedic performances in movies to be obnoxious. Um, I didn't mind him as, like, a side character or the butt of jokes in those. Like, because he's in uh, Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey. Uh, And even Michael Scott took a while for me to to become endeared to. And I still mainly am just annoyed by him. But, but, um... I've seen several films with Carell as in a more dramatic role that I tend to really enjoy. And I went with the 2015 film, the big short um, directed mm-hmm. by Adam McKay. Uh, I mean, he's co-starring here with some big names too: Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, um, who Brad Pitt's barely in it. Let's be real. He's just a side character in another plot line. And these actors don't really interact with each other much. Um, but, and there is comedic uh, elements in this film. However, most of that's given to Gosling um, and the uh, the weird cutaways to like um, celebrities explaining the whole uh, housing market crash and rise and whatnot. Um, Steve Carell in this film is uh, really excellent. I, I've I've been meaning to rewatch it because I am uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing Vice tomorrow. Adam McKay's new film about uh, Dick Cheney, uh, st- starring Christian Bale and Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. I can't wait to see that. Um, Looks amazing. Looks fantastic. But uh, I really enjoy The Big Short and Carell's performance in it. Now, um, there's a few other performances of his I like more, but I hadn't seen any of those in a while. Um, I probably should have went with The Way Way Back here instead, as I am super familiar with that. But he's a uh, more of an antagonistic dramatic role in that one. Um, where I went with Big Short because he is... I feel like he's the one you like the most uh, by the end. Um, because he wants to do the right thing um and just is unable to um ultimately i mean he he does what's right for him um and he tries to help a few other people but people ignore him or they won't listen to him and that's kind of where he feels like well fine if you won't listen to me i'm just gonna do 
the thing that I've been warning you about and I will benefit, but I'm not happy about it. And I, I don't know. I really like that element of the, the character, which is based on a real person who he's playing. Um, but I just, I like him. Um, like this year he's had beautiful boy and welcome to Marwin, uh, both very dramatic performances. Marwin's got a little more comedy to it. Beautiful boy has no comedy to it. Um, and he's, he's really good in both. So I, I like him more in dramatic roles um, than comedy, which is not true of, like, Jim Carrey, I prefer his comedic roles usually. Um, Sarah Silverman, I think, is, uh, I, I've really only seen her in the one dramatic. But Carell, you put him in a um, dramatic role, I'm more inclined to, uh, to watch it than if it's a comedy. So that's why he's number three on my list. <laughs> I, I haven't. I, that's. I, I need to watch that one. I always oh. for Steve Carell. Yeah, I haven't watched that one. I, I always go back to Dan in real life, even though that's more yes. comedic than dramatic. But see, he's more dramatic in that though. I think the movie. <laughs> you might be right though, but I think his performance because he's so stoic and downtrodden. <laughs> um, and that was that's on my honorable mentions. Um, because it is such a uh, good movie, but I've only seen it really one time. Um, and it it was a while ago. So. I uh, I always praise it, but I was like, I don't know if I can talk about it. Um, and I'm not talking too much about the big short, but I I, I do. It's fresher in my memory because it's only a few years ago that I saw it. So, um, I, f- I feel that Dan in real life still holds up. Uh, oh the yeah, big short, no. obviously too. It's pretty tight. There's stuff that you can take away that is still, regardless of, uh, it's pretty relevant, uh, especially now again. Um, but yep, those are gap. That was a, that one's a gap for me. So. Hey, there it is. Uh, Corey, have you seen Big Short? I haven't. Oh man, guys, it was on Netflix I know, and forever. Gosling in it too. Yeah, and he's kind of the narrator. He's kind of the one telling us the story, so um, he gets uh, quite a bit to do. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I don't want to like Christian Bale is not a comedic actor, so that's why he's not on this list. But his performance in the Big Short is pretty pretty nuts. I think he, he learned to play the drums just to be the guy he is uh, in oh. the movie. Because um, <laughs> of me- course he did. He's super method. You know that. A method. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Well, he's, he's he's running around with multiple personalities. Exactly. Uh, let's let's move to Corey's number three. Uh, since neither of you have seen Big Short. Um. So my number three, um, is Ben Stiller in The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yep. I didn't know if this, I feel like if he's not being comedic, then he's kind of the, you know, comedic relief, uh, mm. reality bites, what, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Um, also, I just want to say that, um, Ben Siller's band from high school released, re-released their album that they, you know, whatever, earlier this year, uh, it's called Capital Punishment. He was a drummer, didn't huh. know, and they're making more music, um, but I love this movie so much, and it also has uh, it has uh, Kristen Wiig in it as his um, hopeful romantic interest. Um, I just like seeing the change in his character, where he um, kind of stops being so reserved and kind of, I guess, afraid of living, and he goes on this grand adventure to find out out a wallet but um actually it's not just about a wallet but nope. it's a photo and i oh my god who plays a photographer in this it's sean penn, sean penn yeah sean penn who is really good in this yeah. um i really like the scene where they see i think it's a snow panther or something S- snow leopard. and he just snow leopard thank you and he decides <laughs> to not take the photo and that very short but very you know 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I don't... Ben Siller's not usually a pull for me, even though I'm, I am still root for the guy. I don't know. But I just love him a lot in this. No, I, I love this movie, um, and I often don't like Ben Stiller in comedic leads. I like him in, like, the crazy side characters, like in Dodgeball um, and things like that, where he's more uh, of a character than he is Ben Stiller. Like, I'm not a fan of the Meet the Fockers franchise, um, or Meet the Parents franchise, whatever you want to call it. Um, I like Along Came Polly, but not him so much. I just like Philip Seymour Hoffman in that movie a whole lot. Um, and, uh, but... Yeah, um, this this movie is one I also have taught. Uh, it's it's a film that's super accessible, and I love that it's about photography because I teach journalism, so it's a film I'll, I'll show them at the end of the year kind of thing. Um, and it's it's such a beautiful movie. There's such like amazing the scene where he longboards down the like the hillside is just so cool. Um, yeah, it's a really I, I like it. It has a low meta score, it's only fifty four, but I, I really enjoy it. And I'm a Adam Scott fan, and he gets to play like a pretty big jerk in this movie with the beard um and yeah i i like it a lot and kristen wiggs uh, also playing not a dramatic role per se but she's not being silly or a character she's just a person um and i, I don't know i enjoy this movie uh, quite a bit this one's one that abby tried to get me to watch for a while and i, I think i was just really tired i just couldn't get into it and she okay. enjoyed it immensely and usually i i end up agreeing with her at some point so it's one that i need to Another gap, um, yeah. Because that's also a remake, isn't it? Because there's an it is. Yeah. Uh, Danny um, Kay. Danny Kay plays uh, Walter Mitty in that from uh, White Christmas is where I know Danny Kay. From, okay, but... okay. So I, I mean, because that automatically when it's a remake, I, my mind's going to be okay. This is not, you know, we are thanks. We already got one. Um, <laughs> the the other, um, the, this one's much further. I have to pull the date. I can pull the date real fast as far as dramatic performances uh i think it was janine garofalo and ben stiller i believe and permanent midnight i think it was oh. it's based on a i want to say a true story of a hollywood writer yeah I'm, sure. no, I'm sorry not not Janine garofalo maria bello jeez that's ah. a long time 1998 uh comedy writer struggling to overcome his addiction to heroin yeah, and, and I, i've wanted to watch uh greenberg and i've not gotten to that yet uh with ben stiller and I've I've saw that on several people's list of like great dramatic performances from a comedic actor. Um, I think that's a Noah Baumbach film, if I'm not mistaken. Janine but... Garofalo in it. Okay, I thought I remember her in it. Um, Owen but... Wilson. Oh gosh, she's in it too. Jeez, yeah. it's been a long time. It didn't do well. I don't remember what the Metacritic scores and rate uh, scores and ratings were, but for dramatic purposes, that's just definitely a different. Ben Stiller film. True. Way different. Well, let's um, let's move to Mike's number three uh, and see what if I've seen one of his. So far, I am over right. two. Let's see. Let's see if I can keep my perfect record. Uh, I've actually mentioned this one before from 1991, uh, Grand Canyon. I know I've mentioned Correct. it a few times. I cannot recall if I included it as a pick of any of my top five. In any case, Steve Martin is part of an enormous ensemble that includes Kevin Klein, Danny Glover, Mary McDonald. Mary Louise Parker, Alfred Will- Woodward, uh, Jeremy Sisto, and of course Steve Martin, who we already mentioned. It's very similar, not ex- similar in that, like Crash and Magnolia, not not Cronenberg's Crash, the other Crash, the more yeah, accessible Crash. Um, 
it ties together this very disparate separate group of characters and ties it all together nicely and works um this i felt was a showcase for lawrence kasdan who obviously from empire strikes back he wrote and directed this oh. and uh, yeah so i mean it's got a pedigree it's one of those sleeper ones that uh, i caught on video i don't even remember any theatrical release but obviously i mean with this kind of cast it surely must have had it it took a lot of getting used to seeing Steve Martin. I mean, I grew up with him as part of an SNL cast with Arrow Through the Head or playing King Tut, singing King Tut. So to see him not be the Steve Martin I knew was really difficult. And But, I mean, at the same note, it left me wondering, well, why didn't he try more serious roles? And that's the danger, I think. In Hollywood, everything gets so packaged and so pigeonholed or people get that way and they never get a chance to... And, He's, I mean, since there, I really, 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 I don't think I put it in my honorable mentions. Uh, I, I wanted to include um, Shop Girl because he ended mm. up writing, he wrote that and, uh, and it had a lot more. But I, I felt Grand Canyon was, and that one, yeah, I mean, he's, just, but I mean, that's because, well, Burke, you won't like, you probably wouldn't care for Shop Girl since it's got the Claire Danes factor in it. Mm. Um, but I, I did like it overall. I mean, I don't want to digress too much. Grand Canyon was my pick for just because the writer, director, and everything that works well together for me. It may not be for everyone. Yeah. Well, I um, I need to add that to my my watch list. Mainly, I'm actually more drawn because of the Lawrence Kasdan thing than I was mm-hmm. anything else. But um, uh, I am not to, to dismiss any of the actors. I'm a fan of all those people. Danny Glover, I noticed also in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I it's on my to watch list now. I'm not sure how easy it is to get a hold of, but it's one I'm curious about. Um, all right. Well, my number two. Uh, I, again, technically, this movie counts as a comedy. However, I feel like the performance falls into dramatic, so that's what I went with. Um, and it's an actor who I absolutely adore, uh, Bill Murray. Uh, I love <laughs> Bill Murray so much, and I my favorite Bill Murray movies are going to be comedies groundhog day ghostbusters um and even Zombieland. i love his uh cameo <laughs> um but i went with jim jarmusch's uh 2005 film broken flowers um i i've been trying to get through more jim jarmusch stuff um i i bought dead man still have not watched it yet and um, <laughs> we did watch um coffee and cigarettes like a, a couple years i think last year for movie club Maybe it was this year. I don't even remember for sure. But we watched that. Um, and I saw uh, Patterson, his film with Adam Driver, that I absolutely love and, and just cannot praise enough. Um, but Broken Flowers is such a unique movie. Um, there's a lot of humor in it, but it's not usually coming from Bill Murray. A lot of times it's at his expense, as uh, his friend, who's played by um, uh, Jeffrey Wright, uh, is encouraging him to oh. find out if he has... Yeah, I know. He's so good in it, too. He's he's actually really funny. Um that he has he may have a son and so he's looking to find out who wrote him this letter this anonymous letter claiming that he has a kid and so he has to go like back through these old relationships and you have a, a amazing cast you get jessica lang sharon stone uh julie delphi tilda swinton's in it um chloe sevigny's in the film i mean it's just uh so many people in um <coughs> so you're saying the characters got a type because they are all pretty much blonde, blue-eyed. Uh, in the movie, they don't all appear blonde, though. To be honest, oh, okay. uh, and Chloe Sevigny is not one of the girls that he was with, but she's like the assistant uh, okay. to one of them. 
But yeah, oh. um, and uh, you are right though. Sorry, I was like about to have a coughing fit. Um, no, <laughs> but uh, Bill Murray's very subdued, and he's he's playing the deadpan role, and yet he he's always playing it really serious. And there's this tragedy about him in this movie that is so powerful. And w- when people think of dramatic roles with Bill Murray, they usually go lost in translation, which I also love. Um, I think it's a, a terrific movie. But I don't know. Broken Flowers has sat with me more, and I. I remember watching it and just being kind of in the movie and Jarmusch's style is so different because he's not, he never really goes for a super satisfying narrative. Like he's not going to give you this big ultimate answer at the end of the movie. You're going to be left with questions. And this movie does that in such a powerful way. And it definitely leaves it up to you to decide what goes. And I mean, you could argue the same with Lost in Translation. What does he whisper to um, uh, Scarlett Johansson's mm-hmm. character at the end? But I feel like it's much bigger here, and I think that's where the drama really hits me, is because Bill Murray's character is this kind of tragic figure in this film, and everyone around him is, is living their lives, and they're trying to encourage him to just embrace it. And um, there's some crazy scenes in this movie and how he reacts to them. Um, again, I, I Rushmore, straight-up comedy, but I think his character is so deadpan that you could argue it's it feels more dramatic in that part in Rushmore when he does uh he's smoking two cigarettes at the same time because he's so depressed and um uh, someone someone says like how you doing and he's like mm, been better <laughs> like it's, it's just uh he he's so good at that kind of well the sad clown to me like he is great at playing that role I mean even um you know there's moments in Groundhog Day where the you know he's at his breaking point he's hit rock bottom and he just wants to end it all and it's like that sad clown role over and over and over again uh for a sequence in the film that is otherwise he's not that way but um you see him do this in films even when comedy is at its center and i just i just adore him and i he could have been my number one but the number one movie i picked is going to pull two sad clowns in and so that's why i thought it deserved the number one spot for the topic um but broken flowers if you slept on it, I highly recommend, especially if you're a Bill Murray fan, to uh, check it out. I need to see it. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I'm tapping. I thought you were gonna say Lost hey. in Translation, and I don't want to get rocks thrown at me. Hey, no, no. Again, Lost in Translation. Oh, you don't like Lost in Translation? I tried to watch it. Oh, 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 man, that's a, a Coppola film. Uh, Sofia Coppola. Um, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, Corey, then what is your number two? Oh my god, you guys already talked about it, and I've talked about it, and I couldn't leave it off, and I'm sorry. I had to choose Steve Carell and Dan in real life. Oh, oh, awesome. I love this movie so much. Um, I don't really have anything to add um, that I haven't said before, but just, um, not a parent, duh, but even trying to think of being a man raising three daughters, and the world you know when that that is and but he writes you know a column for a newspaper about it like he's a you know like pro dad and um i don't know i just think that he is great in this movie i um also oh my gosh i'm forgetting his name i don't like him i don't think he's funny yes i like him in this movie yeah he's really uh... because he he's like himself and he's just like he's not supposed to be liked yeah, um, and then, is her name Juliette Binoche? Yes. Yes. 
Um, he ends up falling in love, and they meet in the little bookstore. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay. And then I'm the done. little bit of dramatic irony that it's the brother's girlfriend, and he doesn't know that when he meets her, and um, and then he does, and then it's and then like it's awkward. And they're all staying in the same home because you know it's it's yeah, oh. Thanksgiving or something. I think yeah, it's a holiday. I just couldn't remember the holiday. Um, yeah. And then the, I mean, just not not only that the the added part because one of his daughters is just this swooning over and. Uh, <laughs> It seems so long ago, but I mean, working with high schoolers, you see what they go through. You see what the dramatic things within boyfriend girlfriend stuff, and yeah. she's going through that. And it's like, you know, and it's just so relatable. So very, it just who wrote that? Who put that together? Because it just works, and it still does to me. Yeah, one of my um, film graduates who is in at uh, film school right now. Well, he's going to film school right now um big fan of this movie and uh we we did a thing last year this he graduated last year um where i had them uh pick a clip from a movie um that they thought maybe the rest of the class hadn't seen and um the idea was to like you know this is a movie i love and i want other people to know about it and he picked the uh the scene where he plays guitar where they get steve Carell to play guitar uh, um for, for them to watch i mean it's it's that- such a powerful scene and it's you know happy and sad at the same time and yeah Corell I mean just the cover of the movie it yes. like, that should be the art poster for this top five because it's a, a man sleeping on a stack of pancakes what a sad clown image you know like there's not much of a better symbol for sad clown than a guy sleeping on a stack of pancakes like it's such it just it it speaks to the subject matter you know because there's Steve Carell Michael Scott but he's sad um so yeah, definitely deserving pick. And again, oh, man. I almost went that direction. So I'm kind of glad I didn't so that we got to talk about it a little higher up on the list. Nice. Peter Hedges, that's who it is. He wrote about a boy, Pieces of April. Oh, I need to watch oh, about what's a boy. Eating, what's eating Gilbert Grape? No wonder. Oh. I mean, oh. I, um, some of these he directed, oh, The Odd Life of Timothy Green. Oh, he also man. directed Dan in Real Life. Uh, I don't know Ben is back that doesn't directed Pieces of April. Uh, he wrote on the good dinosaur. I haven't seen that. Eh, it was okay. Map of the world. But right. wow, what's eating Gilbert Grape? That's wow. Okay, because yeah. Whew, okay. All right. Well, we all we're all fans of Dan in Real Life. We talked about it before it was even on someone's list. So let's move to Mike's number two then, and hopefully I've seen this one. <laughs> well, I get a feeling you haven't, but I'll go on. <laughs> um, Michael J. Fox was a fixture to all of us in the United States as Alex P. Keaton growing up and family ties us a little before you guys' time, but that's uh, who I, I grew up with. Show. Which, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I actually have a, an alert set on the, on the box and it reminds us on all TVs whenever that comes up. So I tune or don't, but usually do tune to that. Um, and he then parlayed that into roles into definitely light, comedic kind of Hollywood movies, except for this one. Uh, actually, he had a couple of other dramatic roles, but this is the one that stuck out to me because I had, I was familiar with Jay McInerney. Uh, and if I did a hack a job on the name, I apologize. In fact, I just bought a co- another co- I know I have multiple copies of Bright Lights and Big, Bright Lights, Big <laughs> City, um, and which to me, this film was an effort, a conscious effort to break away from that wholesome boy next door image. It's based on... A novel. It's based on the same name novel. It's the uh, Michael J. Fox plays a fax checker. Yes, that was. I mean, hmm. um, 
nowadays you don't really think about that, but New York certain magazines were staked their reputation and whether they were very strict rules with regards to fact checking. And this basically follows them on a cocaine fueled downward spiral. Kiefer oh. Sutherland plays the best friend. He's definitely a cad and not the voice of reason for him. Phoebe Cates plays a cameo as his wife who is separated from him. There are definitely some light kind of oddly comedic moments, but this is, and I double-checked, IMDb classifies it as a drama. Yeah, uh, It goes with more dramatic uh, approach, but not too much, not so much to the extent of, let's say, train spotting. Um, and again, having grown up watching Michael J. Fox in a certain type of role it was like getting used to seeing okay wow this is maybe this is alex p keaton moving to the big city yeah since i had to kind of justify it um because i'm like wow it's just so different for him the idea that he was doing cocaine and you know it's just watching someone go downhill yeah i'm it doesn't have a positive it doesn't have a meta score mm-hmm. but it has a uh, 5.7 imdb user score which technically is positive because it's not on the lower half but um, I'm still really intrigued. I am a huge Michael J. Fox fan, so for a second, I I wanted to defy you uh, when you said I probably hadn't seen it, but no, I didn't <laughs> know this movie existed. Um, I grew up a uh, huge Back to the Future fan, which still to this day, yep. I, I still put Back to yep. the Future in my top five movies all time. Um, and I actually, I usually will say three because I like to throw people off because no one expects three to be my favorite. Um, but I do love the homage <laughs> to the westerns in that movie. But um, yep. I'm, I'm such a big Michael J. Fox fan. I am tempted to uh, seek this film out because I can't imagine him being a, a cocaine-fueled anything. So, uh, It's really strange, really strange. Uh, <laughs> the other dramatic, if, if you happen to get a chance to... Uh, the, I thought about it, but I'm like, nah, because I just didn't have the, the tie to it. Um, Sean Penn, Michael J. Fox, and Casualties of War. Um, it was a Vietnam um, hmm. film. It was. It wasn't... It wasn't like a platoon. It's like an isolated incident where soldiers assault a Vietnamese girl, and there's stuff like mm. different. Yeah, it's it, it's it, it, it was. It, I think it was very clumsily handled, and I just didn't. It wasn't. That wasn't going to be my pick. Word. All right. Well, uh, Corey, I assume you're in the same boat with me on that movie that you've not seen. Yes. It. But um, awesome. Uh, cool to hear about a film that you don't know anything about, especially starring somebody that you're a big fan of. So. Um, and again, uh, you, you threw me because I wouldn't have thought of that. But clearly, Jay Fox is predominantly comedy. Um, but I didn't think of him as a comedic actor. Although, to be fair, I wouldn't have had a drama movie to pull um, for him either. So it all uh, it makes sense. But um, I guess that that's my number one now, huh? Is that where we're at? Yeah, um, we're at our number one. I'm going for a fairly new film um, that I, I have an immense amount of time uh, struggling to spell. But it's called The Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected. Um, this was a Netflix original Noah Baumbach film that uh, we get Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller in very dramatic roles. Um, and Adam Sandler, after his series of horrible Netflix original films, <laughs> uh, was in dire need of something like this to remind us that he actually can act when he wants to. Um, this movie is uh, its not vignettes, but it kind of has that vibe to it. Um, but the relationship dynamic between Sandler and his brother, Ben Stiller, they are playing brothers in this film with, uh, it has to be noted that their father is Dustin Hoffman, who I have become a very big fan of over the last year as I've watched Midnight Cowboy for the first time, mm. rewatched The Graduate, uh, which I already had loved him in that. 
and uh, Kramer versus Kramer, all the President's Men. I, I, this has been a big Dustin Hoffman year for me, um, and this film is one of them. Um, but he's not the comedic sad clown in this. No, no, no. Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler are the reason that we're talking about this movie right now. It's one that I feel like a lot of people slept on. Noah Baumbach is not for everybody. He is the uh, more dour Wes Anderson. Um, he, he worked with Anderson on several films. Uh, the Squid and the Whale is one that made me unbelievably uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie doesn't make me uncomfortable, and yet it does, but it, it not for the same reasons that Squid and the Whale did. This deals with this kind of high-class uh, family, um, and then them dealing with their dad and his desire to make them great, but not greater than him. Um, and it's this really compelling family dynamic. Um, there's, you know, infighting and there's so much tension. There's so much drama. There is humor in the movie. Um, but it's, it's not like the characters being humorous. It's like, you're laughing almost out of like, holy crap. Is this really like, is this how people act? Cause it's, it's so crazy. Um, Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler both give just amazing performances. And I wanted to include both of them in my list. And I figured, why not put them together? Um, because they both give such tremendously great performances in this movie. And they have these, there's this really tense sequence um, in the elevator. And like, cause they're at the hospital at one point and they're like, they're trying to be civil. Like anyone who's ever had that awkward family conversation where you're really mad at a family member, but the, the situation has made you have to talk to them. So you're trying to act like you care about them, but at the same time, you just want it to end. This movie crafts that tension so, so well. And Sandler and Stiller both just deliver perfectly. So uh, it had to be my number one. Um, I highly recommend it. Still, it's the Netflix original. So if you have Netflix, it's there. Give it a watch. Yeah, I got to dig it up um, because it's time for Sandler. I know we've... I don't remember which group whether it was us, but we've been talking about Adam Sandler and the the other specialties done, not this oh. being somewhat better. Yeah, than um, not, so. one of our our group chats and a former guest on the show, Keith, uh, has I think talked about the. I feel like he brought up the um, the Adam Sandler comedy special, and there is a Chris mm-hmm. Farley song uh, that has gone viral that is at oh, the end yeah. of the performance. I've not watched it uh, the song because I'm waiting to watch the whole special. Um, I need to make an effort to do that this week while we're on break. But, um, yeah, uh, Sandler um, is a favorite of mine from the 90s. I love Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison still. Um, and I, I, I sat through most of his comedies. I think Jack and Jill is still one of the only ones of his that I did not see pre-Netflix. Um, I've not watched any of his Netflix original films except for this one. But this one is not a Happy Madison production. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, that goes to uh, Corey's number one. So, what do you got, Corey? Okay. Um, I included Kristen Wiig Good. from Skeleton Twins. I I almost put this on my list, and I was like, Corey's gonna have this on her list. Ah, oh, of course I am. I love her, um, and I love that movie, even though it makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I just you know, <laughs> want to watch sad movies. Um, but when I was thinking about movies. I love, and I've talked to talked about so many times, uh, Welcome to Me. And it's funny, but it's that is a main character dealing with mental illness. Um, but I didn't realize how many um, dramatic roles she's been in. Yeah, she's done quite a few. Yeah, I Diary of a Teenage Girl, um, Hate Ship, Love Ship, which I did not like. Um, Girl Most Likely was pretty 
good. But um, I love her and Bill Hader together in this movie as siblings. And um, kind of showing, like, outwardly she's the more put together, has her life more, you know, on track sibling. And it ends up not being that way at all. They both have their issues and problems. Um, and even just the way the movie starts with Bill Hader trying to commit suicide in his apartment. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get them both together as he goes to stay with her for a while. Um, but I just love this movie so much. Man. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that statement just reminded me of Steve Carell in uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Um, yes! And I didn't uh. think about that uh, because of the similar reasons, actually. But um, Skeleton Twins was a really tough movie, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I am a fan of Kristen Wiig, and I do think we we so mo mostly associate with her with comedy because of Saturday Night Live, and then Bridesmaids was the movie that really like made her a household name. But yeah, she's done a lot of... Uh, at the very least, she does dramedies a lot, where like... Yes, it's there's humor in it, but it's always a very human story. With you know, uh, you could even I mean argue bridesmaids as a dramedy to a degree because there is a lot of drama um, built into the story of bridesmaids at its heart. But yeah, I um I like her a lot, and this movie is really really good. And I'm also a big Bill Hader fan uh, in most most cases, although he does again usually get associated with comedic roles. And he, while his story is tragic, he he's kind of lighthearted in the movie like not him so much but he's trying to like pretend like everything's okay and so you get a lot of humor um from that but yeah it's it's a there, really really good movie and there are just so many great scenes with them together like she's a dental hygienist or something and so they decide to you know i don't know what you call that take the laughing gas or something and oh yeah the nitrous oxide i believe yeah, um, and there's a scene with them in the living room. I forget what song they're singing to and dancing to, and they're, I don't know. I just like so many of the scenes in this movie. Yeah. Mike, have you seen Skeleton Twins? I have not, and I was like, oh, let me add it to my, I've added it to my watch list at some point, so clearly we've talked about it. Yeah, it it's, it's a good chance we've, we've mentioned it before. Um, Corey and I both like the movie, and again, I had it on my honorable mentions, but I, I was anticipating it being on your top five, so... Good for me for nailing that one. Um, unfortunately, I did not guess how many of Mike's movies I would see because I think I'm I've swatted uh, a big four over four if I'm not mistaken. Um, <laughs> well, so let's hear your number one so we can shut me out. Uh, no, I won't, <laughs> I won't shut you out. I will know. I do know that I will not. Oh. Um, I was late on the game with this one, and it was difficult to not add to it. But my number one was uh, Seth Rogen and Steve Jobs. Oh. Uh, I, fi I finally got around to it. I was not only impressed with the leads, but the fact that, just like you guys had mentioned, they cast him as Wozniak, and I just couldn't buy it because I just didn't see it. But he played him so naturally. He played him. It wasn't like I was watching someone play him. I felt like I was watching Steve Wozniak. Mm -hmm. And at th this small, because it isn't a major role as much even though he was pretty involved in Apple, the film was Steve Jobs, not Steve Jobs and Wozniak. Um, it's probably the role that got me liking Seth Rogen more, um, because in his previous films, I could have taken her, taken her left arm. It, I just didn't care. And this, in a film that was packed with solid performances, was a held up amazingly with everyone. It's a, it's. I hate to say minor role, but it's just, like you said, that whole monologue and the way 
you know, just do the right thing. Just because you are a certain way doesn't mean you can't be human about it. Yeah. You can't. And just being, you know, and he's like, Jobs was the the, the, the presenter, was the showman, the, 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 the you know, and was, I think, was very happy to not have to do that. Um, and, you know, was pushed out for it. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's comfy. It's just, you know, we all th- we all associate jobs with Apple and Waz was a part of it. I wish that, I mean, it, he was just so good. I mean, I can't gush over him enough and that's why he's my number one. All right, Hollywood, we want a film called The Waz. Let's make it happen. Uh, <laughs> Seth, Seth Rogen yes. is going to uh, reprise that role. <laughs> uh, the Waz, part two. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they need to... <laughs> all right. So, uh, before we wrap up our episode, we like to go through some honorable mentions. Um, I will go first. Uh, I already briefly mentioned the way, way back with Steve Carell though. Uh, he is again, a minor character, Tony Collette's in that film as well. Uh, so is Sam Rockwell, which is one of my favorite and Maya Rudolph. In fact, it is a terrific coming of age film. Um, I absolutely love. And if you're a fan of the show psych, um, there is a constant theme throughout psych where that we see, uh, the main character, Sean as a kid, um, that's played by Duncan Jones and Duncan Jones. I think it's, that's not right. It's not Duncan Jones, Duncan something. Um, he is the lead in the way, way back. I absolutely love that film. Uh, Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen actually in a film called funny people where they were playing standup comedians. It is a dramatic performance kind of for both. I, I really like funny people. It just worked for me. Um, mm-hmm. I have two Melissa McCarthy films. Uh, she is generally associated with really dumb comedies. I tend to hate her comedies. Um, I loved her in St. Vincent with uh, Bill Murray. Um, and she's a very minor character in St. Vincent, but she gets to be a real person and not some freaking caricature that she's always painted in. But her film from this year called Can You Ever Forgive Me, uh, where she's playing the actual author Lee Israel, um, amazing performance and just showcases how great of an actress she can be if given a real role, Hollywood. Stop putting her in crap movies that her husband writes for her. Um, Away We Go. <laughs> uh, Maya Rudolph is in Away We Go with um, John Krasinski. I just watched that on a recommendation from a co-worker a few months back. Really, really liked it, and I thought she was terrific. I tend to like Maya Rudolph anyways. Um, and then I think the saddest clown of them all, um, unfortunately, because of his uh, tragic ending, was Robin Williams. Um, and we could have gone with a number of films, Good Will Hunting, Dead Poet Society, Insomnia, uh, and uh, honestly, Dreams uh, May Come. Um, oh, I try to block that movie out, but um, World's Greatest Dad, where it's technically a dark comedy, but his role is so tragic, uh, it's hard to not mention it. And then lastly, uh, I am a big fan of this actress and didn't realize it until recently, but Lily Tomlin, mm-hmm. and she has a movie called Grandma from a few years ago that um, I had been wanting, I had heard good things about, I think from Sundance, if I'm not mistaken, and I caught it on Showtime or HBO or something, and I I loved the movie so much. She is so great. I just really, really like Lily Tomlin um, a lot and wanted to mention that movie. So, Corey, what do you got? Um, I have <coughs> Steve Martin in Shop Girl, and hey. which I really, I like the book too, which he wrote. Um, And then I had Robin Williams. Ah, and Mikey. Um, I have a bunch. I, I, I think I intentionally stayed away from Robin Williams because it's still so difficult. We just yeah. finished Hook with one of my classes because we were on a very, very shortened schedule. And I'm like, oh, 
so difficult. Uh, so honorable mentions, we talked about The Majestic with Jim Carrey, Dan in Real Life with Steve Carell already. Lost in Translation. translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel like we mentioned Punch Drunk Love with Adam Sandler. I have not I seen that. Know. That's on my gap list for both Paul Thomas Anderson and Sandler. Oh, man. I okay. own it, though. I did buy it. I just haven't okay. got to it yet. Cool. Um, and I've mentioned him before, uh, Will Smith and Where the Day Takes You. I don't know that movie. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, I don't even know what that uh, is. It's um, Dermot Mulrooney, Will Smith, uh, Sean Astin. I'm trying oh, to think of some wow. of the other. Um, um, Ricky Lake. Uh, basically, <laughs> it follows. It's it's kind of overdramatic, and but it, it hit me in the right time, right place kind of the film. But just follows a group of homeless teens in L.A. Huh. Um, and oh. it's 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 got the Hollywood polish to it. But um, oh, hey, um, Kyle MacLachlan's in it. There's a couple other people in it that I'm, that's escaping me. Um, All right. And that's the first one because, again, thinking of him as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I'm like, yeah. whoa. And his character is paraplegic. And oh, so wow. on top of that, he's oh. homeless and a paraplegic character. It's just like, whoa, okay. And Heck. definitely not what I expected from Will Smith. Interesting. All right. Uh, anything else you want to mention, Mike? Um, what did I say? Uh, Corey, you guys went like this. Uh, thank you to TB. I might have mentioned it. I started watching Velvet Goldmine. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm so late on the boat. I'm like, I forgot Tony Collette was in it. So. I'm such a Tony Collette fan. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, listeners, uh, we want to know your sad clowns. Who are your favorite um, comedic actors in their dramatic roles? Uh, you can hit us up on social media and let us know at uh, I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And Mikey. At Server Monkey. And you can always, uh, if you like the podcast, please rate and review us and give us a positive feedback. Share it. Tell your friends about us. Hit up BurkeReviews.com for more of our reviews and other podcasts that we do, like Corey and I's episodes of Movie Club. Um, we will be back in 2019 with more top five movies. Uh, the first ones, we're always looking back at 2018 to see what we liked and what we didn't. Um, well, until next time, listeners, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie-verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.